Just when thinking of David and what he did when he led us to the table, I love the mountains, I love the berg, and so often get to walk on the, on the little berg, I'm a bit, getting a bit madala to do the, the, the steep walks, but uh, often in the, in, in the little berg and we're walking on the, in the mountains and seeing the caves, and suddenly you would come across just this wildflower, and you just think that there's very few people who ever see that wildflower, and we have the privilege of that, and it's just, it's just so beautiful just to see the glory of God wherever we go. The glory of God just bursting forth. And so, Dave, that was just an amazing uh, leading us to the table. What a, what, a, what a really good time we had there. It's just always good to come back to the table, to come back to the simple gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of, 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 of our King. And he did it because he loves us, because he wants to adopt us as his children. And that's, uh, what, that's the, kind of been the theme for about six or seven weeks now. That we are, if, as many as received him, he gave them the right to be the children of God. So as we receive him, we, have, we, 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 are, we are children of God. And then in the scripture that Anthony read in, in Romans 8 has also been one of the key scriptures. And it's, uh, he's adopted us, he's given us the spirit of adoption and uh, we are called the sons of God, the sons and daughters of God. Isn't it beautiful to meet in the family and a few people have, looks like they've already gone on holiday. But, uh, yeah, and some are going tomorrow. Some are Kevin and the, the family are going to America tomorrow. Wow, what a joy. The Lord blesses us. So I want to read, who's got a newsletter? And I borrow a newsletter. And I want to read the scripture is uh, that famous of the, the, the prodigal God. If we look at uh, Luke chapter 15, and I'm not going to read it all. A few weeks ago we read the, the first portion, but I'm going to read the second portion. Because in the in this story there are three main characters. The first character is the father. The second one is the younger the younger brother who goes and does his wild stuff, comes to his senses and then comes home. But there's also the elder brother. And if we look at the, the picture, the stained glass window, this is the story, this is the picture of the dad giving the younger brother a hug. There's, there's, there's the parting, there's somebody playing guitar, there's tambourines, there's rejoicing, there's trumpet playing, there's excitement because the son that was lost has now been found. The son has been come, up, come home. But then unfortunately, right on the top left-hand corner, there is the, the older brother. And he's not so happy with what's happening. He doesn't like this grace thing. You have to earn your salvation. You have to work jolly hard. You have to jump through a whole lot of hoops. And the younger brother's just gone off and just... And, and, and just comes home and just says a prayer and is forgiven. That's not, that's not fair. And so let's read the story. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation and the, from the newsletter. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. Your father has killed the fattened calf 
we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. What a story. What an amazing story of, of uh, the lost coming home. And I think last week we prayed for, or the week before, we prayed for the families whose children are, are lost, whose, whose children have gone away and are not serving Jesus. And we, we, we're trusting with the Lord that the Lord will, will reel them in, the Lord will bring them back, that they would come to their senses and realize that to be home with dad is a better place. In the ESV, Luke 15 verse 31 says, Son, this is the father talking, you are always with me and all I have is yours. Son, you are you are always with me and all that I have is yours. He's talking to the older brother. It's mind-boggling to imagine as you, as you, if you read into the story and you unpack it and it's just been an amazing time of, for myself and just unpacking the scripture. And I, I've got like, I could preach for about four or five hours on this, on this and, uh, but I think we, uh, we, we want to kill the fatted lamb and we wanted to have roast lamb for lunch. Because we're celebrating, we're celebrating life, we're celebrating Jesus, we're celebrating joy. And when you think how mind-boggling it is, must be to imagine how much the older brother forfeited as a result of a servant mentality. He saw himself as, as, as a servant his father, he was only doing what the father commanded. There was no relationship. Think of the times that he could have taken a calf or taken something for, for him and his friends and he could ask the servants to kill it and cook it and he didn't do that. Think of the joy that he could have experienced in drawing close to his dad, working with him, talking with him, eating with him. There's something special and maybe because I'm getting to the, uh, yeah, the 60, nearly 60 stage of life and suddenly you think back to your own childhood, you think back to the time that you spent with your dad. And I was really blessed because my dad loved me. My dad did everything that he could to, to uh, spoil me. To, to, he taught me how to fish. My dad's passion was fishing, was trout fishing. And, uh, 
He would take me on the, on the Yamsumkulu River in Underberg and take me to dams and we would fish. And he would be more interested in me catching a fish than in himself. He would get far more joy when I caught fish because I wasn't the best trout fisherman. Uh, I was the, yeah, I was, yeah. So when I caught a fish, he was really, really excited. And to think of the times that we, we spent fishing together, doing stuff together. Working together, and it's uh, just wonderful to see Anthony up here today just leading a service. Doing it far better than I probably ever, ever do. It's just wonderful to see our kids excelling and doing, doing wonderfully well. But it's, it's, it's this walking and talking and with, uh, with Dad. And I suppose if I have any regret, it was probably not cherishing those moments as I should have and not realizing how special those moments with Dad were. Because they were. And then thinking about, well, what could I have asked him? As, as we've come to the end of a, a World War World War I, my dad wasn't in that, he was in the Second World War, but I never really talked to him about that. And I know that generation didn't talk about the war. They didn't want to. But I didn't really ask him about what was it like to be in, a, in, the, in the Navy? What was it like uh, to spend, uh, I think he was four years, four years because he came in, he was still too young when the war started. But, it, but what was it like in a ship when, were, when the bomb, when the planes were trying to take them out, when the, the U-boats were around and he, he shuttled uh, was part of shuttling the cargo from America to, uh, to, to, to Europe. That was his, his ship. That's what they did. They protected the cargo. And so I, I didn't find out those details. So my plea for all of us, if your dads are still alive, make connection. And as, as, if our sons are still alive, make more connection. It's always quite difficult when you get up to, to, to pray get up to preach and you get up to, you suddenly realize, am I doing this with my own boy and my own daughter? Well, she's gone lived seven million miles away, so it's not so easy anymore. But I, but I, but I still, am I, am I connecting? How am I connecting with, with, my, with my son and my daughter? So, Luke 15, verse 31, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is, is yours. That is an amazing scripture. If we could just unpack that and let that dwell in our hearts. There is, from birthright, there is uh, some blessings that flow. There's some blessings that flow from being a child of, 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 of our Heavenly Father. And the two fundamental birthrights we have are intimacy and inheritance. One has to do with our position and another one has to do with our possessions. Let's just focus on our position. Our position as adopted sons. As adopted sons, we could have asked for a party. We could have asked our dad, Hey, I've got a few friends coming around. Can I have that, 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 that lamb there? That, that, that one there? 
we are adopted. We become new, new children. We become children of God. The father saw his, his, his children as, as sons. Not because of their behavior, not because of they got, got it right, but because of their birth. We are children of God because of God's seed. You and I need to be born again. We need to come into the kingdom of God. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. That's what it says in, in 1 John chapter 3. For his seed remains in, in him. We have the seed of God. When you are born, of, born, of, born again, the seed of God comes and dwells in you. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, through the word of God which lives and abides in you forever. So we have an incorruptible seed that lives and dwells in us and, and uh, abides forever. And we remember about a month ago, but as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born not according to blood, not according to natural birth, not according to the will of the flesh, to our human initiative, but the will of God. You and I have been born again. We have been born again. And we have a new seed. Someone once said that an, an acorn holds within itself an entire forest. So it is with our spiritual seed. We have within us, the Lord has deposited a seed within us. He's deposited His Word of God in our hearts, which can, as we water it, as we feed on it, as we chew on it, and as we uh, uh, dwell on it, it's going to bring forth, and what is going to bring forth? It's going to bring forth the life of God, the very life of God. You and I have the nature of God living in us, and it grows in us. In fact, it's genetically coded to, to mature in us. So our potential is not determined by anything else but our position. When the, when the father said, son, you are always with me, he made the, the most sublime statement about our position. The words with me, what do they stress? They stress presence. And the word always stresses permanence. You, I am always with you. That's what he says. He's always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The presence of God is in us. And we need to know that whenever we go. So sometimes we think the presence is just for Sunday morning. No, it's not. The presence of God dwells in us and we bring it. And as we gather together and we worship, yes, there's an, there's a, there's an amazing thing that, happen, that happens as we worship together. As you lift your, your arms and, your, and, and, you, and you proclaim the, the, the greatness of God. As, you, as we do that. The, there's, there's something special that happens. And it's kind of, uh, for me, it's just the most amazing privilege to come and just to, to worship. And so we have the presence of God. The presence of God living within us. A couple of weeks ago, again, I, I shared on, a little bit on Mephibosheth. Now, to remember the, the story of Mephibosheth, for those who weren't, who weren't here a few, 
few weeks back. Mephibosheth is uh, Jonathan's son, King, King Saul's grandson. And uh, Jonathan and Saul are killed on the battlefield, and David is made king of, of Israel. David is now the king. And Jonathan and David were best friends. They had made covenant together and kind of said, whatever happens to, to, to me, if anything happens to me, would you look after my family? Would you be there? Would you see that they're okay? Made this, this amazing covenant with each other. And so David remembers the covenant that he made with Jonathan. And because of that, he uh, inquires, is there anybody left in the house of Jonathan, is there anybody still alive that I can show kindness, that I can show the, gra- the grace of God because of the covenant that I made with, with Jonathan? And there was just this one guy left, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. There was just Mephibosheth left. And so he shows kindness on Mephibosheth. That kindness was actually, had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. It had everything to do with the covenant that his dad made with, with, uh, with Jonathan. And so all the lands are restored, and he's allowed to eat at the king's table. Whenever he wants, he can come into the presence of the king, and he can sit down, and he can eat. And if he wants uh, some, some roast lamb, yeah, or, or a good glass of wine, what, he can just come, and he can sit, and he can, and he can chat with the king. He can chat with his father. That's, this is a picture of our Heavenly Father with us. That we can come to the table of mercy, and we've done that this morning, and we can sit down and eat. And we can eat from this table, and we can pick up love, and we can pick up joy, and we can pick up peace and wonder, and, and we can feast on that. That's what we can do because of what, of what Jesus has done for us. And so Mephibosheth it's just the most amazing story, and I always have a look at it, and then I suddenly realize right at the end of the story of Mephibosheth, uh, Ziba, his, his, uh, who, who looked after him, because Mephibosheth, you must remember, was crippled. He was crippled, couldn't walk, and he had the servant who looked after him, and the servant double-crossed him. And uh, when David said, where's Mephibosheth, when David had gone out to war, he kind of lied, and, and, and because of that, David said, oh, he was, David got a bit angry with him and, and, and gave away half of, of his inheritance. Wow. And uh, Mephibosheth didn't argue. He didn't complain. But I think if he had mentioned these words when the discussion was happening, if he had mentioned these three words, these same words, Jonathan, 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 what would have happened? David would remember the covenant that he had made with Jonathan and he wouldn't have given away part of the, part of the inheritance. And when you're in trouble, when you find things are not going well, when you find you're under pressure and you're under attack, what are the three words that you can shout out? 
Jesus. 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 Maybe if that's all you remember today, the words that you need to cry out, Jesus. Jesus. Isn't that good? I think we need to confess what Jesus declared to us in this parable. All that I have is yours. I want you to say these words after me. All that my Father has is mine. Let's say it again. All that my Father has is mine. This is not an earthly father. This is a, a heavenly father. All that he has is ours. So don't look at your life. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at, at, at where you're at today. At the where you've messed up. Look to Jesus. When the devil comes and he tries to that little voice and says, you're useless, you're no good, you're just like that person, you're never going to amount to anything, you're a failure, you're, you're useless, you're a... Uh, yeah, do you get that voice? Do you ever get that voice? That condemning voice? That's when we need to know our identity. That's when we need to know that we are children of God. That's when we need to, to say, all that the Father has is mine in the name of Jesus. All that, I have everything. Say it and don't stop saying it. In Galatians 4, 7 it says, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then you're an heir of God through Christ. You're an heir of God. As you read the scriptures, these scriptures are just exciting. I don't know, I'm finding the scriptures getting more and more exciting. The older I get. Reading the New Testament is like reading the last will and testament of a, of a really wealthy benefactor where the riches of his estates are enumerated. Here's what he's bequeathed us. Here's what he's given us. Here's what we inherit in Jesus. We inherit. We become heirs of eternal life. We are heirs of salvation. We are heirs of the promise. We are heirs of the kingdom. We've meant to seek the kingdom of God. Uh, that's what uh, David read this morning. And I never read it from Luke. I always read that from Matthew. And in Luke it says, just a bit after that, it says, it is the Father's good pleasure to do what? To give you the kingdom. So we can experience a little bit of the kingdom here on earth now. Not just wait until I die. We can experience a bit of the kingdom now. We can bring the king's presence here. And what does the king's presence look like? It looks like, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's what it's going to look like. That's what I'm going to look like when I'm letting the Holy Spirit dwell in me. So we're heirs of, grace, of, we're heirs of the grace of life. We're heirs of the blessing. That's a short little list. But if you go through the promises that we inherit when we become children of God, it's just incredible. We have to go out of this place excited. Not down, not, not, not depressed. We have to go out excited. I know sometimes, we sang a song a little bit earlier, there was a moment in time when the lights went out. 
don't know where you got the irony of that. There was a moment in time when the lights went out on Wednesday afternoon and then Friday evening and Saturday evening, and it's like kind of, yeah. But, but the light of God has come and shone abroad in our hearts. And let's have a look at the, some of the assets that we have. The estate of a king has been willed to us. This, the, the assets, the whole estate. Think of somebody who owns a big farm. An amazing farm with, with everything. And you get to inherit that. Wow! That's been willed to us. We are heirs of all that belongs to the Father. By the right of our birth, every spiritual blessing is ours. Imagine for a moment, imagine drawing on those resources. Now unto him is able to keep you. He keeps us. He, we can... Uh, Norman, what's my favorite scripture? Ephesians 3.20. We can do all things. We can do... What's it? No, it doesn't say it. We can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can imagine or think. Imagine or think. We can do more than that. Why? Because we have Christ living in us. We have the resources of, we have the resources of God. And I really want to live in, in, in the joy and the fullness of that. Of understanding how much I'm loved. How are we doing for time? It's a warm day. So when we see this elder brother, he has this slave mentality. He has a distorted picture of his father. When we went to the fun fairs a hundred years ago, there was always that thing, the house of mirrors, was it? And you would go and, you're, and you'd be like all different shapes. You would be like fat or, or, or thin, or if you were fat, then you'd be thin. And it, was the, you would, the, it would be like you have long face and short and wide, and, and it would be like kind of... And I think the problem is we have a distorted vision of our Heavenly Father. And that's what the, the, both of them, in a sense, probably had that. They both wanted to be away from the Father even though one stayed at home. The one went and, and went to, to the far country. The one stayed at home, but he wasn't close to his father's heart. In fact, he wasn't really interested in his father at all. All he was interested in was what he could get from the father. And so this older brother had this uh, uh, slave mentality, this servant mentality. So when the, when the, when the younger brother came home, and the, the dad was excited. The dad was so excited. He was always looking. From afar off, he, he saw him and he, what did he do? He ran. He ran. And he gave him a hug. And he put, on a, he put, him on a, he put a, a robe on him. He put a, a not, not any old robe, he put the finest robe. The best robe. The robe that was, do, what was reserved for the top functions when you got married. That was the kind of robe that he, that, he, that he would have put on. And so dad was so joyful, and, and, and yet the older son, what does he say? When the son of yours came, when this son of yours came, when this son, he didn't say, my brother is home. He was angry. It's a bit like Adam in the, in the garden, what did Adam in the garden say? 
We like to push blame to other people. We never own, we take responsibility for our own sin. We want to blame somebody else. So, so Adam blamed Eve. This woman that you gave me. This woman. I mean, it started with a snake. Didn't the snake also blamed somebody. This woman that you gave me, she made me do it. This son of yours, this is the one that messed up. That's what the older brother is saying. He has this hypocrite, he has this, and, and, and this is one of the few places in the scripture where, where God is, where Jesus is like trying to draw the hypocrite, trying to draw the Pharisee, trying to draw the older brother to themselves. It's one of the few times. What does he do? He goes out. He moves towards him in a similar way that he moved towards the youngest, the youngest son. He, in the youngest son, he ran out. In this one, he came, his father came out. He didn't, ser- he didn't send a servant. He didn't say, in fact, Daryl was sharing on, on, at house church and he was saying, he got a phone call from one of the, there's a pass-through fire, I think it's happening this weekend, and one of the, one of the dads got his secretary to phone Daryl to say, that it's just inconvenient at this time for uh, us to do the father and son weekend. He didn't even have the courtesy to make the phone call personal. He got his secretary. And here in this story, the father comes out and what does he do? He entreats, he pleads, he, 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 he asks his son, he said, come in son. Come into the feast. The son is standing there. You can see him. He's not coming into the feast. He's standing on the porch. He's standing on the outside. He's not commanding him. He's just asking him to join the party. Come and join the party. I don't know whether you've had any children when you've children's party. When they're like three and four and five. And it's all going well, and then something happens. And the birthday boy or girl suddenly runs upstairs. I'm not going down to my party. And they run, they run away, and then the tears, and there's like floods of tears, and they're angry, and they're not going. And you go out there, come, it's your party. You've got to, you've got to be there. And so this was how uh, the, the father was pleading. He, was, he, was, he called him my child. My child, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. My child, my son. You can imagine the tears pouring down his face, the dad's face. Come, come. Come. And that's what the Lord is calling us today. Finally, all that is mine is yours. We have an inheritance, and we've looked at that. I want to read one, one last story. We've got this amazing inheritance. There's a story, I don't know whether it's a true story, but it's about Napoleon. And I want us to come to the 
table uh, to, the, to the throne of grace as the, this young officer did in the following story. The great French conqueror Napoleon, in his quest to rule the world, was quite surprised on one occasion when he encountered unexpected resistance while attempting to capture an island in the Mediterranean. The fighting was fierce, and he lost many good men in the battle before finally overcoming the enemy. Napoleon and his generals were having a celebration feast when out of nowhere, it seemed a young officer approached him. Napoleon saw the young man and asked abruptly, What do you want? The generals were deeply offended. Oh, sorry, the young man said, Sir, please give me this island. The generals were deeply offended at the brashness of this young man. But suddenly Napoleon asked for a pen and ink, promptly writing out a deed to the island. He then signed it and gave it to the impetuous officer. By this time, the generals were astounded. They asked their leader, How could you give away this island to that young man when so many of our men paid such a high price to obtain it? Napoleon responded, He honored me by the magnitude of his request. The magnitude of his request. We can ask much more. God will do much more than we even ask. So he wants us to be a little bolder in our asking of, 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 of things from him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that we are your children. If anybody does not know that they has never given their life to Jesus, I want you after the service to come to the front. There will be somebody here who will lead you to Jesus. I want you to say yes to Jesus. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we are your children. We thank you for who we are in you, whose we are. We thank you for the intimacy that you won for us, that we can come into the the throne room with boldness, with confidence, and we can ask, and we can ask big. And today we ask. We ask for a greater knowledge of you, that we would walk in the fullness of your love, Thank you, Lord. Amen.